Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, and I am a guy who perseveres in doing this show. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Jenny. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And it's spiritual principle time, which is probably feeling like every week at this point because we just did a few of them. But that's okay. We're doing perseverance today. What was the first thing you thought when I texted the idea of perseverance as the principle today? Besides yes. (laughs) Sounds hard. (laughs) (laughs) Will we be able to persevere through the episode? Uh, Mine was, oh, yeah, I get to tell my tattoo story. Oh, so we're going to hear a tattoo story about perseverance. Yeah, if it fits. So, of course, I looked up the definition. We kind of have our way we do this now. But what do you think perseverance is before the definition? Like, what was it to you? What have you been trying to do when you've been trying to do perseverance? I mean, my immediate you know, simplified version of it is like just sticking with stuff that's hard, you know, going through things that are difficult. Um, I usually attribute that for me mostly to like exercise or maybe like things we've done with the kids when they were young that like, this is annoying and I don't like it, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. (laughs) That reminds me of driving home last Sunday. Uh, from an event that was like two hours away. And for whatever reason, I just did not want to be in the car anymore. And we were still like 36 minutes mm. away. And I was like, I'm fucking done. <laughs> like, yeah. I am tapped out. How the fuck am I going to drive 36 more minutes? And I <laughs> persevered through it. Somehow <laughs> yeah. I got home. Right? Now that you say that, yeah, we've done some long road trips yeah. and a lot of time in the car. It's yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. How can I possibly keep doing that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did you have any? So, um, does, I purposely, does, your, does your story fit like the definition or how you encapsulate uh, it? This is, so this is my understanding. This was my personal definition of persevere. I, I chose not to look up the definition for the show because you guys usually do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, uh, when I think of perseverance, I think of, well, commitment, but doing it when it's hard, especially when it's hard, and then expecting a greater reward on the other side. Can you mm. persevere when it's easy? That's a good fucking question to start with. Well, what's interesting <laughs> what you just said, like, I don't know that I've ever assimilated perseverance with reward. To me, it's always been more like enduring something. Without and, reward. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. sound like a good thing. I know. Like, yeah, that's why I said it sounds hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I think what all I ever think of when I think of perseverance is Dory from the uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, the just keep swimming. swimming. Yes. <laughs> like that goes through my head uh-huh. all the time. Good one. And that's what I think of perseverance as. Like, yeah. Just keep swimming. I but I don't know that that's a good thing. And that's, I think, one of the places we've come to with all our spiritual principles, right? Like, is there a level of this that maybe skews towards unhealthy as opposed to the original theory of just we need 100% of this in our life all the time, <laughs> everywhere? Um, the definition I found originally was persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So uh, that definition at least encapsulates the idea that there has to be some kind of success and or reward at the end of it. Hmm. Yeah. I found a similar definition, but it doesn't include the reward part. So (laughs) uh, it says continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulty, failure or opposition. Hmm. Okay, and so another one I found was perseverance refers to our ability to pursue a goal or passion over time and stick with it if we encounter obstacles or setbacks. And that one doesn't mention the, the yeah, reward I guess or achievement. The goal being the reward, I guess. I mean, and when I think of it that way, it's, it is usually to achieve a goal. But is the goal just to keep doing the thing? Because if that is. Well, maybe it, that's where it gets unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. It's a circular argument. Like, you know, I got to keep this goal up. And the goal is just keep doing yeah. this shit when it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Well, when I think of it, you know, with some of like our commitments as far as some of our uh, things we've, you know, signed our kids up for or done with our kids early on, it'd be like the goal was just to support them and doing something they want to do. 
hmm. but I'm going to put up with it. Right, <laughs> like, right. Well, it doesn't feel rewarding. It <laughs> just feels like there's a goal, so we're trying to let maybe the, the kids feel is, loved and supported. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, maybe that's the reward, I guess, right. is that you feel like a good dad or yeah. a good caregiver. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. And, and with Jenny saying her kind of take on it, like, I have never really associated commitment necessarily with perseverance. I mean, maybe subconsciously, but I've never actively thought, oh, yeah, they're kind of similar. They got some similar feels to them. So this is what I was thinking. It's like commitment is like the first step and perseverance is the action part in my head. And see, that's yeah. weird, though, because to me, commitment is like, well, no, OK, I guess commitment's the spark. Said. Perseverance is the action. But commitment to me feels like something over time as well. Like, I can't be committed to something just because I decided it. Like, if I didn't, if I'm committed to doing something for six months and I ain't doing it three months from now, I didn't actually do commitment in my mind. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm thinking to commitment and committed. So you make a commitment, then you persevere, you've shown you're committed. Hmm. I feel like there's another word that goes along with these somewhere in our spiritual principles that also, no. Mm. Determination. I don't know. Is that the same thing as perseverance? Steadfastness. Is that the Is that a principle? Thing? Probably. Depend on the list you look at. <laughs> well, let's look through this. So many of these are so closely interrelated, mm-hmm. you know. They're woven together in a beautiful spiritual tapestry. But I guess like you'd mentioned, Jenny, I it it becomes perseverance, I guess, when it becomes like difficult or there's opposition. Like so I think of recovery and I don't know that there's ever times where I feel like I've had to persevere through my, you know, abstinence. Like there's been times I've maybe thought about using, but they've been so fleeting that it doesn't feel like I've persevered. <laughs> like, yeah, persevere, and maybe it's that 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 severe. Perhaps in my own head, it triggers that it's got to be hard. Like hmm. persevere because it's very. I mean, maybe that's just some weird word thing in my head, but. So kind of going along with what you just said, Billy, like, it's interesting. My first initial response was, of course, we had to persevere in recovery. God damn it. <laughs> but I like when I look these words up in the actual Narcotics Anonymous literature, at least the basic text, it works how and why in the step working guides this morning. It's very infrequently used. It's one time in the basic text, five in works how and why. And I think maybe three in the step working guide. And doesn't really say much of shit about it where it is yeah, used right. except this is where we practice perseverance in our yeah. recoveries. And I'm like, oh, that's great. How are you? Do you, you have that like an electronic version? I do. Like, do I you can, have the big book in AA too? Like I that? don't. No, okay. I could probably get it though. That's interesting. Yeah, it's probably easy enough to It's make. an interesting tool. It is. I know. And I, I love using it. But Oh, you know the AA book. They probably persevere through all kinds oh, of I think sure. yeah. did have that, yes. Very strange. You must need perseverance through your whoopee party. <laughs> You know, yeah. So, yeah, I, I can picture that as well. Maybe we should have used that. But, yeah, uh, the lack of use in it in our recovery literature, at least in Narcotics Anonymous recovery literature, does make me wonder if maybe it's not one that's kind of pointed to very frequently. Yeah, I mean, I, again, there are things, I guess you could say, maybe persevering through a difficult fourth step. Tough situations in life. like a difficult ninth step amends, you know, you might need to practice some perseverance. But Well, like, okay, you had a sponsor that used and you had to go through that tricky time of like not having this guy that you had made a strong connection with as, you know, your mentor and friend in recovery and had to persevere until you found a new person that could take that role and you guys actually made a relationship over time. Like, I feel like that would require perseverance to get through kind of the tougher times in recovery or the, the times that don't match what we hope they would. Or yeah. I, di- I didn't think of it that way in the time, though. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and I guess to me, I assimilate perseverance with, like, doing something. Long-suffering, you know, <laughs> like... Yeah. So what do you like? Do you, not minimal discomfort, but oh, like severe. Yeah, that's what, but it's just in my head whether that's right or not. I well, don't and know. I guess the the question I'm curious about though is like, is that evidence of maybe a, a lack? How to say this? I'm not trying to say it in a, a lacking way. There's something in there that could be pointing at the idea that you don't think. Or look at anything as hard for you and you think all these things should be easy and you should just be better at them. 
Does that like I, I know I'm not saying that exactly right, mm-hmm. but like maybe yeah, you're there not could giving be something it, to that. Yeah. I feel like losing your first sponsor that you've had a great connection with. Like I feel like that's heartbreaking. That's big. You just had yeah. a lot of you had a lot of life or death shit like that. You seem to take really like very in stride. I'm like, oh my god, that would destroy me. Like, um, so yeah, life's hard. He's like, yeah, yeah, but you're very like you've I'm been, persevering through my life. Uh-huh. God damn it. You, I mean, because it's well, trauma subjective, you know, but like. There's some some of the things you've shared about your life. I'm like, wow, Billy. Like, I don't. If I went through it, I don't think I'd be the person I am. And you're just like, it happened, you know. Well, it's almost so. it's almost and, and maybe like minimizing the difficulty in your life, which is in my mind a, evidence of like a higher expectation of yourself than others, or or holding yourself to such a high standard, or more pressure on yourself than maybe is, oh, is yeah. healthy for you. That's all. That's probably true. Okay. So you probably have a shit ton of perseverance. Maybe yeah. not. Kind of call it that. Maybe not great for you, but <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. it's there. There's I'll drop in another word, resilience. You know, like, uh, I guess, add that in that mix. Like, you're very resilient to life's yeah. troubles. Maybe I need to give myself some credit. I'm persevering through all kinds yeah. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> we should have had a perseverance quiz. Maybe I'll look right. one up. Billy will get That's I was over here. And, I found yeah. the AA big book, so I was looking for oh. perseverance in the AA big book. Well, when you were talking about the steps and perseverance, don't I was thinking about healing takes perseverance, facing some of your quote unquote negative character defects, you know, facing that stuff and healing from it, working through it. That takes quite a bit of perseverance. Nobody likes to look at the fact that, you know, that you were dishonest, you know, criminal, you know, mean to your family, etc. So how would you say, since you don't feel, Billy, like this has been a huge piece of your recovery necessarily up front, like how would you say you have tried to use perseverance in your recovery? Yeah, what I was looking at was I think I, in lack of proper usage of terms, just consider things commitment. Like for me, it's really easy to say like I'm super committed to something, so my feelings attitudes or actions don't matter they're minimized you know as a part of like growing up in a dysfunctional home where you're taught that your feelings and things don't matter and you're just supposed to do what you're supposed to do show up where you're supposed to show up you know like all those things that it's very easy for me to do that to myself and just be like well i'm committed to this thing so my feelings are irrelevant so whether i like it whether I want to do it, whether there's any suffering related to it is completely irrelevant to I said I was going to do this thing, so now I have to do it. Yeah, putting it in those terms, perseverance still, I mean, I said this before, but it still feels like the like the action part. Like the, uh, so you're commit, you made the commitment and then you're working through those things that are uncomfortable and it's the perseverance that makes you overcome in the moment. I felt like I heard the opposite. Oh really? Okay, it could be just how I define it. I don't know the way the way Billy was using it there, and I thought where you were going to go with it, Jenny, was like it felt like he was saying that he had these kind of unrealistic expectations on him as a kid to, you know, don't worry about how you feel and think, just do this thing that we're telling you to do, and that he still continues to do that to himself now. And I'm like, yes, that that's sounds awful. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> sound like perseverance. That yeah, sounds that like beating like, the shit out of yourself. That sounds like perseverance to me. That does sound like perseverance? Yeah, that's so... Oh, man. Um, Maybe we don't want the spiritual. <laughs> yeah. But uh, didn't have the reward piece. Yeah, no. So... <sighs> do, am I the only one who assumes reward at the end of perseverance? I mean, I thought the purpose was for a goal. Like, I, I mm. thought there had to be an intended reason for why I'm putting myself through this suffering or tougher period of... Yeah, and I think that might be a problem, too, with myself. Like... I guess when I set goals, like I don't set goals as in like, hey, maybe I can achieve this thing. It's like, oh, you have to do this thing or you're a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> like, so okay. my goal setting and, and I'm working on all this stuff mm-hmm. now, which is why I'm kind of aware of it. It's like that's why I'm terrible at setting like goals in, say, my marriage or in my career, like those are hard goals to set because there's so many things that are outside of my control. Hmm. And so I'm working on that now of like, okay, well, how do I set goals that I might fall short of? I'm like, well, who wants to set that? Goal? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm never going to set a goal that I know I can't get. Huh. <laughs> like, you know. 
what this made me think of was I wonder, like, we, we have this kind of one-size-fits-all idea of our recoveries, right? People come in, you do these steps, you get these spiritual principles, this is what's going to help you live better. But I'm I'm thinking about Billy just sharing this story with us, that, like, his childhood involved perseverance without the other side of, like, you know, pay attention to what's good for your body and also how you think and feel and, and, and take that into consideration with your attempts at being a persevering person. And it's almost like if we could have this kind of way or, or, or quiz or assessment that could help people figure out like, oh, this is the brand of, of childhood trauma you had and you kind of skew too far this way already. We don't want to give you commitment and perseverance. Like what we need to give you is love and forgiveness. You know what I mean? That's the other side of what you need. It's not that you, you don't have any of these things. It's you're too skewed one direction. What do you you know well, what I mean? Th- I, yes, I, I do. Although I still think perseverance is a skill or a value to have. You know, Absolutely. there's always going to be times where we're going to want to push through hard things in our life. I think for me, it's more important to like recognize my own feelings and recognize when like perseverance is going to be an asset. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think perseverance isn't useful. I just think you came in with way too much of it already. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need you to keep focusing on being persevering and committing, Billy. We need you to come over here and be loving and forgiving to yourself. Like, you got plenty of that shit already. You're already, like you said, yeah, and I feel like you've been crushing perseverance for years and didn't even know it. Like, (laughs) yeah, and that's where I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know. That's what I haven't actually worked a lot. Like, I haven't, I couldn't say, like, I wrote on or did a lot of work on perseverance or thought much about it. And, and I guess in 2023, this is where my brain goes when I think of 12-step programs and information that was developed in 1930s, right? It was it was good in idea and theory, but now we're seeing what maybe where the drawbacks are. Like maybe we're not, maybe Bill, people like Billy are coming in and we're giving them all these spiritual principles and he's saying, yeah, 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 I'll focus on the ones I already know I'm good at, right? The perseverance <laughs> and the commitment and, and I'll just, you know, keep doing those. But maybe that's not what was good for him. Like maybe he needed to actually move to less of those. And maybe we're missing the other people on the opposite side who are have too much of the love and forgiveness and or whatever. And they're missing some of the perseverance. And maybe yeah, we or just, guide just people getting into know. a mode like for me where it feels like life is a perseverance. Like not really looking at, hey, life is supposed to be like fun and enjoyable and, and your relationships right. should be things that are fun, and enjoyable, and your career should be something that is at, at minimal tolerable, but it, you shouldn't be like persevering through your day-to-day job. Like that is not a place to be. <laughs> right, those right. Are, those are big things to persevere. Like and that's just plain old suffering. Like, you know, like you persevere through like minor projects, but yeah, if you don't have this base like marriage, household, work, if you don't have that base piece. Yeah, but I bet yeah. you there's a lot of people out there right now that are in jobs they don't like with mm-hmm. marriages they aren't happy in, in places or households they're not. And they're thinking, well, this is what I'm supposed to do because, yeah. you know, life and recovery is about doing the right things and they yeah. are not. Like you, like Jason brought up, like they're crushing, and I think that was me for a long time, like crushing the perseverance piece, not realizing like, well, life isn't all about perseverance. Like that's a skill and it's a time that we should want to use it, but that shouldn't be every day. <laughs> like, right, yeah. right. should be like persevering through every moment of our life. <laughs> I only persevere 23 hours and 56 minutes out of each day. <laughs> right. That's all, right? No more than that. That's just right. too much if you go to 57 minutes. So, <laughs> for example, so like... Billy needs like a cast before he needs physical therapy. Like if we put it in that terms, you follow me? Like you hmm. can't just skip to the physical therapy part. You can't just skip to the persevere part. You got to actually heal the wound like with a cast before you can go to PT. I, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of what we say about recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that's part of the missing pieces is that we're, we're, we're not, the programs don't have the means to address people's harms or hurts from the information and the time they developed it compared to the information and the ways we can go about trying to do that now. You know what I mean? There's a lot of different theories about how these things can be healed and and how they're actually operating in the brain and in the nervous system. And I just feel like our programs miss all the opportunity to, to, 
bring in this new information and maybe, you know, look at it a different way. And there's a tricky piece, I think, that, like, I couldn't trust my own judgments in the beginning of my recovery. You know what I mean? Like, I was making all kinds of terrible decisions and rationalizing it and justifying it in my head, you know? And saying, like, oh, you know, my life is so terrible. Everything's so terrible. And it's like it, it... it was, but it's my thinking was all. Fu- I was on drugs right. for years. Like my thinking was all askew, and so for a little while it was like, yeah, you're gonna have to like. I guess that would have been perseverance. Like you're gonna have to get through like the withdrawal and the the what they call it post acute withdrawal, yeah. you know, syndrome, which however long that lasts from weeks to months, you know, getting yeah. through like the, all the emotional shit <laughs> and dealing with all that, wanting to use and not use till my head clears the fuck up and that I get some discernment on, hey, what things are worthwhile to persevere through and what things aren't. But if we just tell people, hey, just come in and tolerate everything, you know, and push through all of it and shove your feelings down, like that's the unhealthy place. Well, and I think from my personal view on life, right, this isn't like all researched or all well-known or truth or any of that bullshit, right? This is just how I feel. It seems like... When we come in, we were probably not doing everything wrong, right? And if somebody could have started there and been like, well, look, every decision you make is not wrong, Billy, right? You're, you're choosing to eat when you're hungry. You choose to go to sleep when you're tired sometimes. Like some of these are, are okay. And this is how you can kind of learn to trust where it's okay and get an idea mm-hmm. of maybe when this other nervous system reactivity is coming up and actually sort of hijacking your body and making you make bad decisions that aren't actually what Billy would make from a calm place. I just feel like you could have started the journey of learning when to trust yourself and how to know that a lot sooner and gotten there sooner, I guess. And so part of that is why I think the very slow process of getting through the steps Mm -hmm. is bad. Because we aren't addressing some of those things soon enough. You know, like I started to address some of like, you know, my character defects. And then along with that, some of my assets in like a sixth step when I had like five or six years clean. I could have used those skills like a year or two in. (laughs) You know what I mean? Had I, had I, you know, whatever, pushed through. And that, I guess, is some benefit to how other programs maybe go through the steps a lot quicker maybe just through talking about them there could be some benefits there versus Mm -hmm. the way that i was introduced which is working on it through this sort of i'm going to call it a long methodical process right um or i chose to take the long methodical process i don't know that the program itself specifically says there's a it needs to be a long methodical process. <laughs> it doesn't, but yeah, it does feel like it is a long but methodical process. But the practice process, of it right. has been that. Right. Yeah. And maybe we need some of those skills sooner because as I began to look at, oh, okay, these are areas, you know, in, in a fifth and sixth step and then getting into seven, like these are areas where I tend to make poor choices. These are areas where I can't really trust my judgments. And because I have these bad past experiences you know i want to numb feelings i want to avoid you know the awkwardness whatever and then there's other areas that i learned through that step process of like my actual strengths and skill set you know something you said in there reminded me not really it just kind of gave me this idea of like when we think of harm reduction right you believe in harm reduction because you believe that the old methods of like we can't help you until you get where we want you to be first are kind of useless. And you think it's much more compassionate and useful to go out and say, Hey, this is where you're at. We'll, we'll try to help you here. And when you're ready to take the next step, you know where we're at and we're friendly and we're kind and we're gentle and you've interacted with us. It does not feel like the 12 step recovery I encountered in narcotics anonymous looks like that. 
we're not like, hey, you're fine where you're at, man. Just when you're ready to take that first step, uh, you know, in, in a more formal fashion or when you're ready to talk about something you want to work on, like, we'll be here for you. But you're good till then. It's OK. Like, it's more listen to us. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. And all our ideas are the right ones and all yours are terrible. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like harm reduction works because of the way it's set up. And it's funny that we don't look more like that in the way we treat people once they're in recovery. Yeah, the only, I guess I would disagree a little bit in that I don't know if you're looking at, you know, I hate to use the word success rates, but like success rates of harm reduction. Like, well, how many people engaged in harm reduction programs overdose and die? Right. You know what I mean? Probably a lot. Right. You know, because that's the community that you serve. Um, For me personally... I say my personal support of harm reduction is slightly different. It's more or less like, well, we can't even have a fucking conversation if you hate yourself so much and no one has ever shown you love or compassion in your life. You at least deserve love and compassion, and we can start there. Yeah. There are some other things that you need to do that I can help you with if you're willing to do you know, something different, but, uh, but I can still love you and care about you, but I can't really help you if you're not willing to do some certain things for yourself. I think loving and caring about them is helping them in a way right. they've never had. You, know? you hope, right. But that's, I guess I feel like the people coming into our into these programs are the same people, right? They're the same people yeah. that can't have that conversation about whether or not to get a job or can't have that conversation about whether to stop cheating on their partner or can't have that conversation about any of these maybe healthier ways of living because they're just not there yet. They've never had the conversation about them being a lovable and an acceptable person. You know, yeah. they're still thinking they hate themselves so much. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I guess meeting people where they're at is where I want to be. And it's not where I was when I was working my program. I don't know that like Narcotics Anonymous told me to be that way, but that's what I got from the society uh, and the environment. Yeah. And I got, I guess I remember hearing a lot of like what appealed to me early in recovery is the types of sayings that were like, we'll love you until you learn to love yourself mm. and we're going to support you and we're going to help you in this I mean, they had a specific path that they were going to support you on. You know, I'm not going to deny that. But it was, we will learn to love you until you learn to love yourself. We're going to help you. We're going to lift you up to to get you on this journey. And, uh, you know, that was appealing because I was someone who didn't love myself at all. I had very, very low self-esteem and self-worth. Well, it's it's interesting to me, and and, and this could be the difference between a, a smaller recovery community in like a Cecil County versus the maybe the larger recovery community in Baltimore but like when I left I heard that words a lot right we'll learn you till you we'll, we'll love you till you learn to love yourself but like the atmosphere and environment did not necessarily feel like that all the time there's lots of judgment there's lots of talking about people there's lots of pointing the finger at who should have worked steps you so they didn't Dundalk, die weren't you <laughs> <laughs> i was i was for some of that time i'm just saying like no, it didn't but but then I, I will say there's another part of me that comes up with the counterpoint of that that says yeah maybe it was more like that up here that's possible and maybe that was more of the experience of what you got and yet uh, just from the opening parts of this, thinking about how maybe like you're still skewing possibly towards more perseverance than self-love. That's not necessarily in my mind what you got then. Like they right. didn't love you enough to love yourself in my mind. So maybe they talked about it, but I still don't feel like that's what you got out of it. Yeah, that part of it, I think for me, has been more the like the old layers of the onion adage is like I was willing to look at some of my character defects and stuff, but not willing to really look too deep at why I was doing what I was doing or, or you know, much of the, the thinking beyond the immediate. I just realized this podcast is going to end when Billy loves himself to acknowledge that Narcotics Anonymous has some flaws. <laughs> That's when, it, like, right now it's still Billy's at fault for anything that went wrong in his recovery. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's when this podcast ends, when, when we actually, nah, I don't know. That's yeah. funny, though. Yeah, well, and yeah, there's, I guess definite areas of, I mean, it, well now you got me thinking of something totally different. It's Sorry. okay. It's yeah. okay. I, I get it, man. Sometimes things have helped us so much they can feel uh, beyond reproach, right? I've defended a couple of my therapists, and then I've looked back at them and thought, eh, I mean, they were really good therapists, but they also fucking hurt me at a point in time, and I was probably all right with that. <laughs> like I was justified in feeling that way. Um, one of the things I thought of this morning, looking up this. 
this topic and perseverance was like two years ago, Billy came to me and said, we should do an episode on when to push through and when you should know when to like cut your losses and it's Mm, time to stop. And that's what I felt like this conversation was about today. I'm like, we finally figured out how to have that conversation. (laughs) It's only taken two years and three months, but we finally figured it out. And, and I can't say that I, I truly know the answer to that, right? Like it feels almost like an intuitive thing, but this, to me, that question that you asked about that topic is the question of when is perseverance the right spiritual principle to apply versus maybe there's another spiritual principle that would be better in that situation. And I, I don't know. How do you know which spiritual principle to apply in which situation? Yeah. Uh, and of course, as being a person that's more whatever, less brain or like, you know, less emotionally driven, like to me. A lot of my decision making nowadays comes down to, you know, almost doing like a positive negative inventory or a pros and cons type of list and looking at, all right, what am I trying to get out of this? What are my goals? And then is what I'm doing going to even get me there? You know, is what I'm doing even in align with that? Am I persevering through some shit because I think it's going to get me someplace? But if I look honestly at it, it's not taking me there at all. One of the incredible things is that I sit here week after week and I have this standpoint of like therapy and self-love and self-compassion and all this stuff, right? And I know Billy is coming from like logic, right? He's all (laughs) on the logic. And yet every week he has found a way to like give me a process that I'm like, that's as, if that is not what I'm doing from a logical method, that is as close as you can possibly fucking get without including (laughs) the way I'm doing it. Like, I'm like, damn, he's really good at making this shit work for him. (laughs) It's impressive. It really is. I'm like, that's that's an awesome way to go about it. I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess to dumb down like the process of recovery, it's like I don't always know how to make good decisions. I act impulsively. If I use a system for helping me make better decisions, it's a little easier. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier to make better decisions when I've looked at things Instead of just reacting to emotion. Like we were talking about this in the car. I'm going to say this real quick. We were talking about in the car. Like if you said to me, it's not okay to shame people. When you shame people, it really doesn't get the desired outcomes that you'd want. That's a shaming statement. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, well, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, I don't think that trying to shame someone to change their behavior is the way to go about it. But yet I'll walk down to my son and be like, dude, your room is a fucking mess. This is gross. I don't know how you lay in this. And then not recognize that that's exactly what that is, you know? And there's just a disconnect of that. Yes. Being able to look at things that way. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we're all doing. Where you call us addicts, call us humans, call us whatever (laughs) the fuck. That's what we're all doing. And I guess my question is, wouldn't it be easier to know when you're in that place when you're going to make impulsive decisions so you could just not be in that place because that seems like a better idea to me and that's what i feel like i'm working on is trying to know when those times are that i would make those impulsive decisions that aren't like me or that are out of character for me or that against my beliefs and when i know i'm in that place i know what to do go to fuck away and meditate for 25 minutes and then come back yeah see and i guess i'm at a place where like i don't know So I'll give you another example with my son. So I was doing some remodeling downstairs. I had one of the floor registers off of the floor, and he stepped in the hole, and his foot went down through this thing. And now in my head, when I see that, I'm angry because now he just damaged the ductwork, and he stepped through a hole in the floor. And I'm like, how the fuck did you miss the hole in the floor? Oh, what you were doing was you were walking through, looking at your phone, not looking at what you were doing. Because that's what you do all the time. You walk around with headphones on, staring at your phone, and not paying attention. So I make all those assumptions, and when he tells me he stepped through the floor, my reaction, before I have even made a conscious thought, is to be like, don't you pay attention to what you're doing? How in the hell do you step through a hole, obvious hole in the floor? Right, <laughs> like, right. And to be angry. Yeah. So I don't know that I will... Like, I don't have the discernment to, like, be like, oh, wait, I might impulsively react here. Mm -hmm. Let me go meditate and then come back and give you a response. No, no, absolutely. (laughs) And I get that. And this has taken a a fuck ton of, like, practice and trial and error. And and I am not saying I do this 100% perfectly or anything close to it because I fuck it up all the time. But it's 
through practice and knowing that nervous system dysregulation, right? Or what you're referring to as anger right there. I know when that comes up and the more I've practiced, the quicker I get to the beginning of noticing that earlier and earlier and earlier. Right. And even when I fuck it up, it's fine. Like the most important thing is knowing for me, the belief, all my anger is mine. It is not for anybody else to fucking deal with. It's all mine. Right. And underneath all that's hurt. And that's really mine to deal with. And if I can deal with the hurt one, there's less anger coming regularly anyway. But two, if I get really in tune enough, I can just feel it build up, man. I feel it start. And the sooner I can notice it starting, the better chance I have of getting the fuck out of that room and like taking a break because I need to. I need to take a walk, a breath or something. I need to pause. Nothing good is happening from that nervous system energy coming up in my chest. And and I, I think that's what I'm saying. Like for me, it's all the rules are great. But like if I can just be in tune and in that moment in the present, right? When I say that thing to my kid, maybe it does start coming out of my mouth because I'm not good at catching it real early. But I see it in their fucking face and I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, I'm fucking missing. I got to. OK, what is it, buddy? Tell me I'm missing. I see it. Yeah. Right. And it's just being there. And, well, and that's helped a lot. Sorry. And to bring it back to yeah, like yeah, the yeah. perseverance kind of the circle. But that's OK. Now that was good because um, I think the same thing. Like so what ends up happening is we have that interaction. He actually was leaving. He was going to walk out the door. I was just coming in the door. He's just going out the right. door. It's like that chaotic whatever. I'm mad. I got to go fix this thing because uh, it's part of the air conditioning system and it's hot as fuck outside. You know, 10, right, 10 right. reasons oh, why yeah, yeah, yeah. to justify my action. And anyway, within five minutes of them leaving, I'm like, that was shitty. Yeah. Like, I don't like the way this feels. Right. And so I called him up yeah. and said, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to yell at you. Are you OK? Perfect. Like, did you hurt yourself? You know, is there anything I can do for you? It's fine. I can fix it. It's not a big deal. You know, just want to make sure you're okay and apologize for being that way. And like, that's where I guess if, if we're trying, trying to force a perseverance reference here, like I'm going to go back to these principles and be like, ah, that's fucking awkward. Like that's not comfortable to have to do, Mm. you know, it's, but I've made this decision that I'm going to live by these principles, try to apply them in my affairs. Do I want to try to shame my kid or do I want to just be like, whatever, you know, yeah. and be loving and caring. And and in my mind, Billy, that's fucking beautiful. And you're actually at a better place after that repair than you were before the rupture. Hmm. Right. You guys are closer now because there was a rupture and it was tended to. And like that keeps making it more and more beautiful. So now, you know, every time you fuck up, it's even better because you can just repair <laughs> it and you're even stronger. It's like a weld on metal. Right. The welded area is stronger than the, you know, the metal yeah. was to begin with. But do too many breaks make it? i think the more more time you repair the easier it is too like the more times you like go back to your kid be like i am so sorry like then it makes it it's easier to do it the next time it's kind of like the amends process i don't know if you guys had this the more amends i did the easier it was because i was like hey i lived you know like i didn't die i didn't Mm. i wasn't crushed over that amends made, made me braver for the next one making amends begets making amends right yeah Going into the science of perseverance, perseverance and the ability to persevere in people has been correlated with dopamine levels. Shocking. Hmm. People who can (laughs) fucking get through life have higher levels of dopamine and people who struggle don't. Who knew? Right. Like we keep talking about this. And I feel like these are the pieces that we don't have. Like when I got into Narcotics Anonymous, it, it did reduce some of the shame. It said, hey, you got this thing called addiction. It's not you. You're not a terrible moral person. You just got this spiritual malady and you know you can do something about it and that was nice it felt better than feeling like i'm a piece of shit but i don't think we continue that message in recovery i've heard so many times and i've said it out of my mouth myself like i used to have an excuse for why i was a piece of shit i did drugs right and now i don't now i'm just here being a piece of shit and it sucks and it's like maybe if we could help people understand hey actually you probably have really low levels of dopamine and it makes life extremely fucking hard Way harder than for the guy next to you who wakes up with fucking, you know, rainbows in his mind and, you know, bells and whistle songs in his head and shit and wants to hum all day and do some work. Like, I don't know. So you're in like the, you know, the field. Do they test for that for like? No. No. I mean, (laughs) nobody's testing for dope. You can, but it's so expensive. No insurance is going to pay. It's like a lot of mental health stuff. Like they don't, they can test for these things. Mm -hmm. They can test for like depression and shit, Mm -hmm. but nobody's practically doing that on like a regular. Yeah. 
It's like extremely rare studies that do because brain imaging and like, shit. This is, this is science. This is what like makes sense. Like, is it because our medical system doesn't want to like pay for so it? So science is amazing, but we only research things that people fund, and we only okay. fund things that make people money. I follow. <laughs> right. So we don't research anything right. like holistic abilities to heal yourself or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. You can't sell them. But you, they don't test for dopamine like to prescribe antidepressants? Mm-mm. Okay. No, you go talk to a doctor and answer nine questions um, yeah. about how you've been feeling over the last two weeks, and then they'll give you an antidepressant that is completely safe, even though they have no idea how it works. Literally nine questions? It, well, it's ten, oh, technically. Okay. But the last one is just, how much does this impact you okay. <laughs> in yeah. your daily day life? On a whole side, there seems to be a really weirdly almost arbitrary system to how some of these psychiatric medications very, very We were talking with a, someone about Adderall, a psychiatrist who can prescribe medications about Adderall, and we were talking about like adults with ADHD, and he said, well, you can't really, you're not supposed to subscribe Adderall to adults with ADHD unless they've been diagnosed as a child with ADHD or with because it isn't something that you get later in life. You've had to have had it your whole life. And we're talking specifically about me, not that I want to get on Adderall, but as an example. He said, well, my parents never took me to a yeah. psychiatrist or a doctor yeah. or anything. And he said, well, if you've never been diagnosed, technically you're not really supposed to get it. And we're like, well, that seems kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. does seem dumb. And yeah. I, and honestly, I when you talk about arbitrary things, the rule about how you had to have it as a child is a completely arbitrary fucking rule. Like, <laughs> right. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. But in my understanding, as long as the requirements for being diagnosed as a child were there, it doesn't mean that you can't yeah. get it because you didn't ever go. To but get anyway, diagnosed. that yeah. was just a complete no, yeah, aside. That was an aside, but... Here we go, Jason. Here's an area where I think the program falls way short, and it is addressing some of that science behind, like, dopamine stuff and how we deal with, like, our nervous systems and, and all of that. Like, we yeah. don't address that from a science-y place, and so that's where I think a lot of people that have really messed up endocrine systems will turn to sex or food or money or you know whatever gambling like they go to these other addictions because they still need that dopamine hit and we don't in the program we could probably do a better job at trying to find healthier ways to address that stuff i mean we've talked about here like exercise is a good yeah. one like we don't really push exercise i mean in our daily lives in general it right. could use a lot more support <laughs> but in recovery like that's a huge thing because that does help regulate our nervous systems and, you know, give us dopamine, you know, hit and all those things. But we just or even art like there's lots of things that you can do that can give you these dopamine hits and we don't address them at all. We just tell you what not to do, you know. Yeah. And actually, interesting that you said that uh, there's an article in Psychology Today that I was looking at for this episode. And I, I guess I'll put the link up now because I'm not going to go through all this, but it talks about ways you can actually actively associate dopamine production through just picturing yourself as like in a lab rat experiment and you're the rat and you know you get rewarded every time you use perseverance like you can actually do this in your head and supposedly increase the level of dopamine that comes while you're persevering yeah um, well that's maybe early in recovery you're supposed to persevere through your shitty feelings <laughs> right, <laughs> until, right. until you learn some new skills to build them that's what you're persevering through your low yeah you know well and it says not achieving any goals will dry up your dopamine reserves mm -hmm. so that you have to make some of your persevering for low level goals that you can actually attain and reach so that you can increase that um expectation huh. and belief well that just turned me the 30 60 90 day key tags like those are all low level you know there you are. hey there might actually be some science on that one yeah. <laughs> um you can change your expectations and belief to keep your dopamine up uh you can create self-imposed deadlines uh so yeah so there's ways to do that 
oh, be your own cheering squad or maybe even get a cheering squad. Maybe that would help too. Um, you know, maybe these communities of support, like we talked about with the Phoenix Recovery. Like maybe that is another piece of, of the science that our recovery programs are hitting on, right? The community aspect, the cheering squad, the ways to increase how we feel. There are a ton of studies that show that perseverance is the highest indicator of success in life. Like people who have perseverance apparently are more strongly correlated with successful outcomes in the world than any other quality Hmm. is what I came across. What about the dark side of perseverance, also called grit at times? Grit is dark? Okay. So this is a lot of big words. Hold on. Existing investigations indirectly point to the caveats of embodying a sustained interest and perseverance to achieve goals, even in the face of failures. Consistent with this perspective, a series of experiments carried out by Lucas and others in 2015 has shown that grittier individuals exerted more effort than their less gritty counterparts when finding solutions to unsolvable tasks at the expense of accomplishing fewer tasks. So, like, people with higher grit spent more time on tasks that couldn't possibly be accomplished because they persevere and just abandon the fact that the goal was to get more tasks done in the Mm. moment and not. Um, So, that was one of the drawbacks. And then the second one is that they also showed more perseverance at trying to win a losing game. Hmm. Um, And so that these could not. You know, they could end up leading to kind of what we've been talking about today, like this idea of like, oh, I, I'm not getting any better. I can't get to any goal. Things are worse. Perseverance not helping people, I guess. Yeah. And in that vein, again, not to gosh, now I can't be the bash 12 step guy. But, you know, we do have a tendency to tell people like, yeah, you know, one program, one one recovery or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And, you know, we don't always do the best job at encouraging people like hey if you've been here for a little while and you're still feeling pretty bad like maybe some other things like maybe you need some additional supports i mean you do hear that occasionally but not as much as could be said you know some people need like mental health some people need you know like say maybe exercise or some sort of community engagement whatever it is Right. You know, pushing people towards like, hey, don't just feel like you have to make this only work. So there was a quote from a book uh, written about grit or perseverance uh, by Angela Duckworth. And she was saying grit is about working on something you care about so much you're willing to stay loyal to it, not just falling in love, but staying in love. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at perseverance. It's not just you know, deciding you want something or you want to stick to something, you know, not just making the original commitment, but it is actually doing the thing of, of staying increasingly interested in it, I guess, or, or finding hmm. ways to stay interested in it. thought that was kind of a fascinating take on perseverance. Uh, another piece uh, of what I read about, it said that meaning is actually our most important psychological need. That's why belonging, connectedness, and our relationships are so critical. Uh, because they are the things that give us meaning. And then it talks about, it shows up uh, around the real power at a developmental milestone, which is around 40-ish for most people. And it made me think of all the people who go into looking at different parts of their life around this age or that age and, and how that works. But yeah, maybe that's the point where we look and, and kind of stop and say, has our perseverance paid off? I think that might be what we're looking at at that age, right? I I did the things the world told me to do. I persevered. It didn't feel fun, but I got the career. I got the family. I got the whatever. Did it pay off? Do I feel happy in my life? Did this actually get me where I wanted to be? You know, it's kind of like a readjustment period. And maybe that's something we don't talk about with perseverance, like this idea of like somewhere along the way, maybe there should be points where we stop and say, hey, is this perseverance paying off? Do I feel like it's getting me closer to this intended thing I want or this life I want? Because we, I don't think, nobody ever told me about that. That's for sure. Nobody said, hey, you need perseverance. And also stop and like check in on it every once in a while to make sure it's still where you want to be. Yeah. I was about the age we sold our house and went and traveled around the country for a couple of years. So, yeah. well, we call it midlife crisis. You know? <laughs> so perseverance has to be winnable. That's what, like, it definitely feels like it it's right. not healthy if it's if it's not mm-hmm. producing something positive for you later. 
Uh, and here's another piece. Hold on. I yeah, I think maybe that's where it crosses over into the to the bad version. Where it doesn't have when a it's, positive outcome. Yeah, where, well, where there's no positive outcome or where it's un unattainable or un right. unwinnable. Mm-hmm. So perseverance requires periodic assessment. I think so. Yeah. Or it just becomes a really shitty use of perseverance. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, stubborn. It's you're just, just using it well, in a bad way. Stubborn. At some point, it becomes like the default or the routine. You know what I mean? It's not persevering anymore. It's just. Yeah. And if you weren't feeling good from it during the time when it was persevering, well, now it's just a routine of beating mm. myself. You know what I mean? Now it's just a routine yeah. of pressure. Well, I, I mean, I this is where my head goes i think to like a marriage that's maybe abusive or neglectful or whatever like you know right. is it really wise to persevere through that for 40 years yeah like, you can do it i mean mm-hmm. if if your main uh priority is the commitment that you made then maybe it's worth it but mm. well you don't get a medal for that you would hope your priority was more about your own happiness and well-being right well and i and when you say that dude all i keep thinking of is like 60 year old couples right 50 year old couples like older adults who really held their societal beliefs back with that kind of thing you stay married forever you don't do any of these things and like how much does perseverance fuck us up because it doesn't leave room to deviate from society at some points. Not so much the perseverance part, but like if we're persevering, trying to do all the things that people in our society have told us, maybe they're not the right things for us. Right. You know, maybe or we my... justify bad decisions by saying it's perseverance. Right, right. Well, I mean, like my parents' ideals about the right way to live or what you are supposed to and not supposed to do in social and public and manner situations are very different than mine, which are also both very different than my children's. And so, like. You know, my mother might have stayed in a situation that was abusive and said it was perseverance, whereas my kids would be like, that's fucking stupid. Like, no. Right. So it's like maybe there needs to be more room for us to not look like society sometimes as well. Like maybe I'm just a guy that doesn't fit in well with society. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. Maybe I'm more in line with my kids. I was born too soon. Right. I don't know. But I can be all right in being in that place. And I guess nobody ever gave me that. Mm -hmm. Nobody said what you're doing doesn't have to look like what most people are doing. It's okay. Maybe they did. I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get it. Well, and it's funny now. Like I would say that I probably persevered through most of my using. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely. Like, there was all sorts of negative consequences, negative behaviors. Like right. no way, I'm getting high. <laughs> right. Like, right. I love it. This is what I'm doing. Well, and and Billy, honestly, to me, that points to the idea that like we're not really the ones doing perseverance. We're not really controlling our bodies and saying, "Yep, I'm going to be good at perseverance today," because we were doing it a long time ago, even for bad shit. Or even for shit that didn't work out well for us, right? So, like, to me, that says, oh, these things are actually guided by something inside me that says this feels good and this doesn't. And that's what I'm fucking living by. And maybe I just need to know that better so I can kind of game the system some. Yeah. You know? Or for me, I, I, and I mean, that makes sense. I'd have to think about that. But I always think with a lot of these principles, it's easy for me to look back into my using or addictive life and see where I was practicing these principles just in a really shitty way. You know, it's like trust or faith. Like I would buy whatever off whoever on the street and snort it, smoke it, shoot it. And I don't know what the fuck that shit was. I don't know. Javier on the corner of, you know, Kensington Avenue, like, but I didn't give a fuck. He had the stuff. And so it's going to be fine. (laughs) But I would say what looked like trust and, and, and perseverance was actually just desperation to feel better. Hmm. But I think it's the same thing in recovery. (laughs) I think it's the same thing when we're not taking substances, we're all just desperate to feel better at some level, right? If I feel a 20% off, I'm 20% desperate to feel better. Maybe that just means I eat extra donut every day. Still there. Right. It's still the same thing, even though for some people it looks worse than others. Um, another example they gave was uh, the idea of Sisyphus, um, right, who was one of the people from one of those countries and the gods. And uh, the punishment was he had to roll the hill up the thing every day and it would roll back down and all that. Um, it says his punishment for deceitfulness was to repeatedly roll a large boulder up a mountain only to have it roll back down for an eternity. It is surprising that the research on grit says very little about the impact of having too much grit. What about the grit displayed by Ted Kaczynski, who toiled toiled over 17 years in his single-minded pursuit to live in his free civilization of uh, technology? Oh, and also spread his message by sending 16 different bombs to people across the (laughs) United States, injuring 23 people and killing three. And Hitler, 
He was a pretty gritty individual, and we all know his legacy. <laughs> so if you lack the moral character or mental health to judge your actions, perseverance and passion can take you down a very dark path. And I just thought that was an interesting disclaimer. Um, one thing I really thought about this morning that was a little more personal. Something tells me, maybe I should put these things up front, like people get interested in the episode or something. I don't know. I'm like, oh, I'll save this interesting thing for last. I don't know. Y'all got to tell me what you think about this. So I had this moment recently. I was driving. I'm trying to keep better posture. I'm not right now speaking of that, but that's okay. I just remembered, and that's awesome. Um, Way to persevere, buddy. Right? But I was driving, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm trying to keep good posture. So I got in a good posture in my car while I was driving, and I felt good about it, right? And it hit me that what happened right there was I remembered I wasn't doing something. I started doing it. I felt good about it. And anything that had happened before that, it was neutral. Right? It was already gone. Doesn't matter that I wasn't doing it forever how long. Two hours, three hours, who cares? Doesn't matter. Right now I remembered and I'm doing it and that feels good. Right? Most of my life has been the opposite. Most of my life has been when I remember I'm not doing it, that feels neutral because kind of like the idea Billy gives us a lot of times, right? That's just what I'm supposed to be doing. So now I'm back to neutral with my good posture, but now I get to feel negative about the last two or three hours I haven't been doing. And this made me think of this perseverance and dopamine idea, right? Is this really just the idea of switching our brain from being unhappy with all the time we weren't doing the thing we just remembered we weren't doing to just happy that we're doing it now? Is that what perseverance is? Like, does that make it so much easier if we can just be excited that we remembered? Does that make perseverance that much easier to practice? Hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. I feel like it came from meditation, right? Because every time I tried to meditate when I was early on, the idea was when I caught myself, you know, out in the blue, I've been thinking for five minutes or whatever, and I'd be like, God damn it, I'm not meditating again, right? <laughs> I caught myself, but I'm not meditating again for long periods of time, and that's bad, right? Whereas now I'm, I'm, I'm remembering I'm meditating again, and that's just neutral because that's just what I'm supposed to be doing. But then it became, wait a minute, oh, caught myself, caught myself thinking again. Here, I'm meditating again. Oh, that's good. Oh, nice. I remembered I meditate. I, I caught myself not meditating again. It was almost like catching myself doing the wrong thing became good. And I feel like that could just change the fucking way we look at perseverance. That makes me think it's just a, a better self-talk practice. How, how you're talking to yourself, just like congratulating yourself instead of shaming yourself. Isn't that going to make me want to do it more next time, though? Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like if I keep mm -hmm. shaming myself every time I remember the thing that I want to be doing, that's going to make me give up because I'm just going to say, God, yeah. there's so many fucking times I don't do it. So and that's interesting because that ties into something. And, and I had read this, you know, I had this list of things that help us build perseverance. And one of them was don't be afraid to fail. Mm. And I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't know how that ties into perseverance, but it almost sounds like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like I got to be OK with myself. Falling short, failing at yeah. stuff, not being perfect, hmm. you know, like yeah. that helps build that idea, you know. Well, maybe this is the, the resilience. Time. Right, know? right. Maybe this is the time in the episode we should run down that list because that's probably good to, to give people, right, the yeah. ways to increase this. Yeah, so this was nine ways to improve your perseverance skills. Um, mm -hmm. And the first one was don't be afraid to fail. Perseverance comes from failing and getting back up. Hmm. So... I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I guess that's what you're talking about. Instead of beating myself up about failing or, or belittling myself for failing, I should be like, that's a part of the process. But I'm getting back up, and I should be proud of that. Huh, that's yeah. good. Uh, be 1% better every day. Like Having a growth mindset is a great way to increase perseverance and motivation. I like that one, and I try to give it to people all the time, this idea that you know, if you're standing at the center of a circle, there's 360 degrees in that circle. And if you make that one degree shift, that's nothing at the center of the circle, but keep walking out. You know what I mean? And then make another one degree shift and keep walking out. And like, that makes a big fucking difference if you keep going out from that circle center. Yeah. And it helps us not get, uh, what's it called? Like, demotivated right, or, or right. whatever yeah, it's like i'm that. just making yeah. minor incremental you know uh -huh. benefits and eventually you know we see a, a bigger outcome uh begin to take risks by learning to take risks you raise the probability of facing more difficult situations 
I feel like the thing at the Phoenix kind of when he was talking about that, how like they come in and you you try these things and it's not a big deal if you can't do them this week or next week or like that. I was like, damn, we actually do need more of that. Yeah. In my life. I feel like I didn't get enough of that in, in my program. The willing sure. to take risks. Yeah. Or yeah. the piece of like just people being like, man, fuck it all up. It's no big deal. Come on. Like, it's, it's yeah. fine. Like, I I don't. Maybe we need more activities where there that can be like, I don't feel like you could do that in a meeting necessarily. You know what I mean? You could so easily give that experience in a meeting. But do a really risky share. Oops, something that right. fails. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna do a slideshow, guys, for my share. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Uh, the next one was understand resistance. Most keep most people can preserve when they have a better understanding of resistance. Hmm. Like maybe just getting the idea in my head going in that it's not going to be some easy task and knowing that there is going to be some resistance and like, I don't know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, or that I can overcome mm. a little bit of challenge that I don't, you know, right, like I don't right. have to immediately flounder as soon as something's hard. I and like floundering. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think back to myself, like, it, you know, as like a teenager and stuff, as I was falling deeper into my addiction, it became like eh, sports and school and those things started to get a little bit harder. Like they'd always come really easy to me early on. Right. And as soon as they started to become like difficult where I had to put in extra work. I didn't want to do it anymore because I was afraid of failing. Mm. So it was easy to be like, man, I don't want to do that yeah. anymore. Like, that might terrible. not be as good as I think I am. That's <laughs> the, the perfectionist taking over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exercise regularly. Apply the 40% rule. This rule is that if you complete 40% of the task, your likelihood of quitting drops dramatically. Hmm. I don't know why that has to do with exercise, but okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah really? Why they, uh, Is that the I wrong mean, header? <laughs> yeah, that's what, almost what it feels like. But I guess that 40% rule is, I guess, if you get almost halfway there, huh. <laughs> you're more motivated. That's I guess that's based off a study somewhere. <laughs> um, let's see. Build a network of support. If you want to learn how to persevere, you should build a network of support. Building a network of support that includes family, friends, coworkers, and peers will allow you to have a comfortable place to open up. So, yeah, keep people around you that are on a similar path or a, a like-minded people that will help encourage you to keep going. I, and I would say at this point, from what I've learned, like-minded people who are also positive. Yes. <laughs> because I was a like-minded person with a lot of people in recovery, and I lacked the ability to give more positive feedback yeah. to people. I wish I would have. The sarcastic, super negative crowd. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, you know, if I'm walking around beating myself up over my failures, I'm only going to criticize you where you didn't reach yours. You know what I mean? It's going to be harder to, like, celebrate the, the victories you are having or even pick up on them. Like, you know, those small victories. Hey, you made it to a fucking meeting tonight. Whatever, man. Right. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, I miss all that when I'm so hyper-focused on pressure and myself to be so fucking perfect. So, yeah, find, find like-minded people that are also going to cheer you on and, you know, celebrate you at every fucking opportunity because that's what we need more of. Yeah. We got a lot of this negative shit in our heads. Um, I read this one thing, and it's short, and I just, I don't, something about it gripped me, and I, I wanted to share it. It says, we want to know something, not learn it. Studying is an exercise in staying focused. And I don't even know that my brain can wrap itself around exactly what that's saying, but I like it for some reason, and I don't know why. We want to know something, not learn it. Studying is an exercise in staying focused. There was something about that and perseverance that just rung mm -hmm. for me. Like It's this idea of more staying focused on the task instead of worrying about it making me better somehow. Like, that's what I took out of that. It was like, uh, this is more about I want to be persevering to be the person I want to show up as every day for me. Right. This is about like, I'm not trying to learn some little rule that can make me better here, there, everywhere. I just want to try to keep being the guy I want to be. Right. It's like more of this like slow kind of learn from life experience. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's just what I want it to be. <laughs> it's like Miley Cyrus said. It's the journey that you remember anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can buy myself flowers. <laughs> don't need to persevere in relationships. I, I can buy myself in the USA, flowers. But whatever. Right, right, right. 
All those ideas. Uh, any any more thoughts about perseverance? Do you guys want to hear the tattoo story? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah the tattoo okay. story. How did this not come up? You should have said this first. Uh, I, um, so a couple years into my recovery, um, how, how, how should I start the story? So um, I bought my house when I was still drinking, and the front of my house had a beautiful pink magnolia tree. Um, got the house. I really put off starting a family, having babies. You know, I was already married, and. Um, I was like, one more summer partying. All right, all right, one more summer partying. Well, partying got like really out of control. I was like, I was very self-centered. And um, the magnolia out front, in the meantime, um, some English ivy started creeping up it. I don't know if you know that plant. Yeah. And um, somebody's like, Jenny, you better cut back that English ivy. It's going to kill that tree. I'm like, nah, whatever. I was really neglecting my home, including that tree. Neglecting my home physically, neglecting my home life, neglecting my marriage neglecting what was once my goals like i wanted a family well one winter it was a particularly tough winter and sure enough that english ivy did kill the beautiful pink magnolia tree that i loved mm. so i was i couldn't believe it and i was, i was like peeling the english ivy off it hoping it would come back and my husband's like it's dead it, it died we didn't take care of it mm. and it was like it became this like symbol for like my whole home like i wasn't taking care of my home and home life mm. and i was i uh um I was 37 when I went to rehab. And um, so I think it was around like 38 or 40. I saw that pink magnolias symbolized perseverance. Huh. And I was like, ooh, that's that was like what I wanted to embody. So I got the pink magnolia tattoo on my arm to symbolize perseverance and build back my home and family, what I really wanted. So that's why I have a pink magnolia tattoo. Huh. And um uh anyway so every spring i like to visit pink magnolias around the neighborhood but i don't have one myself yeah. that's my tattoo story that's so interesting that you got a tattoo of a thing that represents perseverance but died yeah. <laughs> right well it did it perseverance, it lacked uh, perseverance. <laughs> yeah well it's because i didn't uh yeah exactly it's but it's because i didn't follow through i didn't take right, care of it right. like i did not persevere I still give the middle finger to English Ivy. I'm like, you killed my tree. But like, you it, it a was giant my, English was my... Ivy across my back. <laughs> <laughs> this thing dominates. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny how we could take different things out of the same story. Oh, I know. Well, you know what? Actually, and yeah, if you look a... up, if you look up Pink Magnolia, there's probably a slew of words associated with it. But right. I, when I saw perseverance, I'm like, I like that. That tree was meaningful to me, and it died because I did not persevere. Mm. And then, That's like all those Asian kanji symbols. Like people mm, get all these symbols, right, right. and depending on where you look, it means something different. Yeah, <laughs> you can make it mean whatever you want. Right. Like, so. That's awesome, though. That's really cool that you found like this. Did that lead you to your journey in recovery? Like, was it the tree dying that really um, propelled you forward? I, you know, I don't remember. Well, yeah, when that died, I think I was starting. I started to piece together like my life is fucking falling apart. Mm. You know, like when you murdered the tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Or I just let it be one murdered. more thing I, that you know. just uh, let fall apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I was, know if the tattoo's in, in memoriam or it's like a, a death threat to the rest right. of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I was an accessory to murder. I wasn't quite. Okay. But um, yeah. So I mean, like, it, I, it was 2012 was my last year of drinking, and that's that was the year it didn't come back, and like I could see mm. like all kinds of things. And I, I love relating life to like nature, yeah, like yeah. you know, that's cool. It's more fun that way. Well, we said it. Making meaning is the most important psychological need. So that's ah. awesome. Yeah. So yeah, go out there. Uh, you know, try to increase your perseverance in the areas where it's gonna feel like it's healthy for you. Um, don't forget the other side of like being in tune with your body and yourself, and and understanding that there is an unhealthy version of just pushing through for the sake of pushing through. There's got to be a purpose to that for it to matter. Uh, and take care of each other. See you next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. 